not cause your blood pressure to go up for some of you guys. You're in a world of hurt on a Sunday, brother. So in keeping with the day's theme of Valentine's, um, I kind of want to think about, I want us to think a little bit about a divine romance. You see, there's romance in the air, husband, wives, maybe boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. But there's a, there's a romance that trumps all romances. There's a romance with a king named Jesus. I got to thinking about it. I heard some guys this week at a restaurant talking about the five love languages. Some of y'all have read that book, and hopefully you know your spouse's love language because that's a very important thing to uh, feed, okay? Um, but God's love language. What is God's love language? You might say, well, he's God. They're all his. Well, to a certain extent, I don't know that words of affirmation I think he's taking care of that in Psalm 100. He says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So he's commanded that. I don't know that gifts are his deal. You can try God with a box of chocolates. I don't know. He may not be impressed. You can buy him some roses, but I'm like, how do you buy the man who created roses roses? I don't know if that really works. And I don't know if an oversized stuffed teddy bear might do the trick. I don't know. Y'all can try that. Let me know how that works, but I'm not sure God's going to be moved by that. But what is God's love language? Well, I think you have to go all the way back to Genesis, and you'll probably find that. You know, the bottom line is God got lonely. You ever thought about that? You know, God got lonely. He created all this stuff, and then he got lonely, and he said, man. This is all pretty cool and everything. Look at them mountains. That's pretty sweet. I did that. Did that with my pinky. But then he said, you know, I need somebody to hang out with. I need somebody to hang out with. You ever thought about the fact that God made you so he could hang out with you? Somebody just needs to hear that today. Because, see, you think that you're no good. You think nobody likes you, you're ugly, fat, dumb, stupid, and all that other stuff. And nobody should be your friend, no one likes you, all that. But here's the deal. If nobody else on this dirt ball thinks that you're incredible, God does. Because he made you to hang out with you. And he did one even better than that. He not only wanted to hang out with you in creation, he wanted a personal relationship with you. So he sent his son Jesus to die in your place, to take your sins on that cross called Calvary. He made a way for you and him to be in a relationship. Upon salvation, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Now he can come and speak to you. He can sup with you, as he says. He can show you great, mighty things that you couldn't even think or imagine. He he began a relationship. I want you to see something. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world. Now, if you read that, that's pretty impressive. But when I read that, immediately I go to places 
other than here when I think about the world. I think about images I see on TV about people in Africa and all over the world. But let me say it like this. For God so loved Jeff. I don't go out there anymore. You ever read that scripture and just put your name in there? That God so loved me. Man, just say that. God so loved me. God so loved me. That's what he did. You ever been to a wedding? I did a wedding Wednesday night. Bet you never done that. My first Wednesday night wedding, did it at 7 o'clock in a pizza house. That's pretty cool. Promise you, right there, called Joe's, all right? But you do a wedding. You call a couple down front. They come down. You give the intent. You give the vows. You give rings. You pronounce him husband and wife. You say, man, you can kiss your bride. And I'm like, that's long enough. We're all here. And then that's finally over. And then you turn them to the crowd and you say, it's my honor and my privilege to present to you Mr. and Mrs. Boom. And they walk out together. Ever been to a wedding where they come in, do all that, walk out the back door, and one goes this way and one goes that way? They don't do that, do they? That'd be really weird, wouldn't it? You go to the reception, only one of them's there. It's like, dude, (laughs) y'all just get married? Yeah, he left. What what is that? If you're going to do all that and become into a relationship, a marriage relationship together, aren't you saying I want to do life together? That I'm, that there's me and there's you, but we become one? That's what we do. That's what we do in salvation. I take the cross, was for me. I go into a marriage relationship with Jesus. I become the bride of Christ. We're married, right? I'm in a divine romance with the king for the rest of my life, for the rest of my life. You see, for some of us, sadly, we don't go part this way, but our relationship with Jesus is maintained on a once-a-week affair. We don't do anything in that romance until Sunday. And we come in here for about an hour and 15 minutes and we get full as we can. And then we walk out and hope and pray that our schedule allows us to come next Sunday. If not, it's the Sunday after. But my friend, as I read scripture and as I think about that, does that not work in your marriage? It won't work in your marriage either. And it doesn't work in the marriage with Christ. That's tough. Jesus said, I will be your daily bread, not your weekend snack. Let me say that again. Jesus said, I will be your daily bread, not your weekend snack. And my friend, too many times we come and we get a little bit on Sunday And we just hope it lasts until the next time we can come back to church. That is not what he died for. 
And I'm not trying to lay a bunch of guilt on you on Sunday, on, on Valentine's, but I'm just saying that this is a divine romance with Jesus. And let me ask you a question this morning on Valentine's. How's your love life? How's your love life doing? You know, what I have found over almost 23 years of marriage is, so goes my romance with the king, so goes my intimacy with my wife. Isn't that amazing? You guys like me, ladies like me, closer I am to Jesus, closer I am to my spouse. Further I am from Christ, further I am from my spouse. You say, well, why is that true? Because it is. Well, he coined it. He made it. It's his ideal, not mine. He said this is like a wedding ceremony, me and you. If you are in a romantic state with me, then I will make you, and Lord knows I need help, be romantic with your spouse. I'm, guys, we don't do that well. I mean, Valentine's is pink and red. Where's the camo in that? Amen? I mean, it's just not there. So it's difficult. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus can help you be romantic. Because the more romantic I am with the king in my worship, the more romantic and intimate I am with my spouse. You remember the, the lady that wiped Jesus' dirty feet with her tears, dried it with her hair. Some of you are like, I don't know if I'm going to bow. No, I don't know if I can go that low. Oh, I'm sorry. He's a king. I don't know that there is a position you can't go to for the king. He is the king. Sometimes it's hard for us to bow to the king. That attitude will stifle your relationship with him. It will hurt you down the road. I want to think, I want you to keep thinking about this divine relationship. I want you to go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 28. I promise you, we're going to come out of this good, okay? I'm going to key you for Valentine's. I want you to look at an interesting passage of Scripture. You may or may not have ever seen this passage. But I'm totally convinced that religion can ruin you. Can I say that again? Religion can ruin you. It can. And I, I'm going to go a little bit further and tell you that church can mess you up too. Okay? You say, man, we're in church and you're a pastor and you're telling me that church can mess. I'm never coming back. All right? Please come back. Okay? But it can. Religion can mess you up. Mess you up. I was in high school at a really good church. I mean, it was a big First Baptist type church. Had one of them big old long balconies that hung over probably about, I'd say it probably hung over 15, 20 pews. Now, I found my favorite spot, the furthest pew back corner. It was dark back there. Barely had even lights under that balcony. Because I thought there's no way in an hour and 15 minutes the Holy Spirit can get from that pulpit all the way back there. I'd be out of here by then. You know what I mean? It's got to take at least 45 minutes to get halfway through the church, and then about another 30 to get to the back. By then we're done. I'm gone. So I thought I was safe, man. So that's where I sit. 
all through high school. And then I went to a private Baptist university on a baseball scholarship. In the second year of college, and I'll go into this more as the weeks go, but I went to a thing on Tuesday night called Time Out. A lot of college campuses have these things. I came from very traditional Baptist to a private Baptist university, and I walked in because my roommate, Billy Foote Jr., led worship. And I walked into about 300 Baptist kids in worship. And I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't ready for that. I just wasn't ready. I was thinking First Baptist Church Bushman when I walked in, and I remember how my posture looked at that church. And I went to a private Baptist university, so I was thinking, that's just a bunch of the same churches putting their kids on a college campus. It's just a big old church that looks like that. I walked in, and there was a thing called the Holy Spirit that was in there, and I was like, what in the world? It messed me up. I didn't realize. I walked out first. I stayed about a song, and then I went outside. I got about halfway to my dorm, and and the Holy Spirit said, where are you going? Chicken? Big baby? You scared? Go back in. I don't want to go back in. Why? Because I'm uncomfortable. So I said it. You happy? I said it. I'm uncomfortable. All right? Some of y'all are like, dude, you're talking to me on Valentine. But I was uncomfortable. He said, well, go back in. So I went back in. I didn't go all the way in. I went to the door, opened it, just stood there, big chicken. Then some girl wanted in. I'm like, oh, man, I'll get the door for her. No. She, she, I got the door. She came in. Then she held it for me. I was like, I got to go in then. So I had to walk in. I didn't want to go in. I didn't want to go in. And I stood there in the back, and I watched this. And here's what I heard God say. Hey, Jeff, you're very religious. You're a very religious man. You're very religious. You have me in a box. I'm about to mess up your birthday. And I was uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Now, I'm not going to stop because I'm going to go into more of that later. But I want you to read it. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture to you. And this kind of was me for a while. And this is what I thought. And God showed me some stuff. I'm going to teach it to you. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 28. I want you to look at verse 10. Isaiah 28, 10. For it is, do and do, do and do. Rule on rule, rule on rule. A little here, a little there. Very well then, with foreign lips... In strange tongues, God will speak to his people. I'm going to say something to you. It's not foreign and it's not strange. It's just a way we've never heard before. Don't go, well, you know, I, I don't understand anything but English, so this doesn't apply. Sorry, Charlie. Can't can't use that, okay? It says, very well then, I will speak to you with lips you've never heard and tongues you've never heard before. To whom he said, this is the resting place. Let the weary rest. 
And this is the place of repose. But they would not listen. Verse 13. So then, the word of the Lord to them became, do and do, do and do, rule on rule, rule on rule. A little here, a little there, so that they will go and fall backwards, be injured and snared and captured. Wow. Do on do, rule on rule, do on do, rule on rule, little here, little there. That's what to me religion was growing up. I got to go to church. It's what we do. I got to do this. I got to do this. My parents are making me go Wednesday night. My parents want to go back on Sunday night. My parents are making me go, making me go, making me go. I got to do this. I got to do that. The word of God became to me. I didn't want to be in it. Didn't like it. He said, man, you are transparent. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with that, okay? <laughs> That's what it became to me. So I go to college, I see stuff I hadn't seen before. Some people I thought that were like me, wasn't behaving like me. With foreign lips and strange tongues, I would speak to my people. He was speaking, but I couldn't hear him. Because why? Because he and the word became do on do, do on do, rule on rule, rule on rule. I became very religious. Very religious. You couldn't teach me nothing new. I thought I knew it all, wrote it all, seen it all, done it all, and this is my posture to God. Go ahead. Do your little dog and pony show. That don't impress me. I've seen that before. That's predictable. And I will tell you that the people I saw at time out with their hands raised, I immediately judged every one of them. I did. Because here's what I said. Oh, look, I saw you Friday night. I know you went to Bozier City to the boats. I know what you did at the boats. And now you come in here Tuesday raising your hands. You got to put your hands down. That's what I did. That's what I did. I'll be honest with you. I judged them all while I exalted myself. Because I've become very religious. My relationship with Jesus was not a divine romance at all. It was a thing I had to do. It was a do on do and a rule on rule. And that's how I saw the word. Word was not a love letter to me. It was a book of do's and don'ts that robbed joy of me. It robbed me of joy, man. I'm telling you, it robbed me. It made me hard. It made me judgmental. You said the Bible did that? The Bible did that. I was very pharmaceutical, but I'd have never introduced my, myself that way. And I did keep score. And so the last couple of years of college, God taught me a lesson that I learned and I still do today, and it absolutely changed my life forever. I was a born-again child of the king. I knew I was saved, and I knew I met him when I was 10. That's as far as it went. One time I was laying on my bed, needing to hear a word from God, desperately crying out to him, and I was getting nothing. And he said, shut the Bible and drive out to Lake of the Pines and sit down. 
I'm going to speak to you. So I drove out there and sat down. Hardest thing I've ever done in my whole entire life was just sit there and not say anything. Be still. And I heard God like I never heard him before as he spoke into my life. After I, after I told him kind of who I was and where I was and the things I didn't like, he kind of, like a gentleman, listened to all that like he didn't know. And then he said in a nice voice, be done. I got a lot to say. And so I sat there as he spoke. And he said, the greatest thing that you can do, Jeff, is not do for me, but to be for me. You've got to learn how to walk intimately with me and not always be talking, but always be listening. See, I talk good. I even showed off good. But I didn't listen good. Jesus says in Matthew's gospel that when you pray, go into a secret place. Jesus said that he went off to a solitary place. Can I just tell you, if Jesus needs it and Jesus commands it, we need to do it. The hardest thing that you can do as an individual is go be still. I'm just telling you. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. But it's also the most rewarding thing you will ever experience in your, your, your relationship with Christ. The most incredible thing. You say, well, that's easy for you, preacher. All you do, come to the office, make coffee, read books, sit, study, read books, sit, study, make coffee, read books, sit. That's what y'all do, little seminary boys. If you know me, if you want to put me in time out and punish me, make me go inside, okay, make me go inside. I would rather be outside doing than inside sitting. I am not wired that way. I come from doers. My granddad was a doer. My dad's a doer. I'm a doer. I eat at my three meals at least two a day or standing up. I don't sit well. I don't like to sit. I, I used to make my family nervous when we got married. Melissa's family was like, Jeff doing okay? He never sits. Don't worry. He does all the time. So finally they've come used to it. I, I don't sit well. He, it's a learned behavior to sit before God. Because I'm a doer. I'm very much a Martha, not a Mary. But he said Mary has chosen what is best and it will not be taken from her. Too many of us are doing for him and not sitting for him. Okay? And so the word and everything becomes do on do, rule on rule, do on do, rule on rule. And he speaks to you with foreign lips and strange tongues. And because all of it sounds like that and looks like that, you don't hear it. You don't hear it. And what he's saying is, this is a resting place. You got to come and sit in the resting place and give, and I will give you words in that resting place. Let me ask you a question. Do you have that place? Can you find that place? What do you have to do to get there? You got to shut the door. You got to shut the door to life. It means listening. I want you to go to Jeremiah's gospel. Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 13, not 11. We love 11. 11 is beautiful, fun. Okay? 13 is the deal. Jeremiah 29, 
13. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When you can find a way to get alone, get still, be still, and seek his heart. Seek his heart. Because what happens in that quietness is this. We don't like the quietness because when we enter into the quietness, he speaks in quietness. He loves to speak in quietness. And we, don't, we know what we're going to hear before we go, and we don't want to hear it. So we want to keep moving, keep that little hamster on that treadmill, just spinning his little legs until he dies of a heart attack, gone. We want to stay like that. Why? Because if I don't slow down and be still, I do not have to listen or see me. I don't. I can just continue to do the little, the little wheel. And everybody comes by and goes, he's so cute. Look at his little legs. Oh, he's so cute. I wish I could pet him. I'll take him home. And that's us. And then all of a sudden, dead, gone. And I sometimes wonder if we don't stand before God and God says, you should have got off that wheel a little bit more. I had a lot of things I wanted to say to you. Man, the more crazy life gets, the more hectic it is, the more confusing decisions get, the more that is God screaming at you that says, go away and get still, and I'll bring clarity to confusion. Our God is a God of clarity, not confusion, my friend. He does not want his children to say, I don't know. I don't know will paralyze you or will make you do something in the I don't know that you shouldn't have done. You've got to hear God, and when you get up from hearing God, you know that you know that you know. And you get up as a confident king's kid, and you go do what God told you. If the critics say, are you sure, you look at them and say, thank you, thank you, and you keep doing it. You do not have to give explanation for the things that God tells you to do. Your life thereafter will do that. And even if you explained it to them, because they were not sitting with you at the time, they may not get it. Or try to talk you out of it. Or try to tell you that it was pizza, not God. When you know it was God. You say, well, my family would never do that. Yes, they would, because mine did. And yours will too. How long has it been, how long has it been since you have heard from God? I know that's a strange question to ask the church, but is it? How long has it been since you heard from God? If I walked up to you and said, what was the last thing God told you? Oh. Well, I was uh, about 10. Dude, you're 62. 
You tell me God hadn't said a word to you in 52 years? Come on, man. God is speaking a new thing and singing a new song every single day with every sunrise. And that's the freshest thing in your life? Come on, man. Listen to me. You are in a 365 days a week, days a year, divine romance with the king of kings. How is your love life doing? How's your love life? Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. I want to encourage you to do something that's really, really risky. This week, before you walk in here next Sunday, the 21st of February, I want you to go to a place that is absolutely quiet and still. And I want you to stop, and I want you to say this word, these words. God, speak to me. said, Jeff, I have never said that. And right now, God's saying, I know. I know. I didn't either. It's one of the greatest things God ever taught me to do. The greatest thing. You say, man, it's not my personality. You want to come see me? I'm not, it's not my personality. That's not how I'm wired. Amen. It's not my demeanor, amen. It's not my personality, amen. But if I understand scripture, all that died at the cross, and I was born again. And I need that intimacy with my king. And I need to stop and hear from him. And if I don't stop and hear from him, I'm weaker the next day than I was that day. And you may tell you what happens to weak people. Go watch Go watch them on TV. That is exactly who the leopard catches. That's exactly who the lion doesn't lick, devours. You ever watch it? Packs going. Got this straggler back here. Got a limp. I'm going to tell you, he ain't going to have a limp much longer. That dude about to have some lamb, right? Listen to me. He's out there wanting to devour you. You walk away, you walk in confusion, you don't walk fast in confusion, you walk slow. You walk in doubt, you don't walk confident in doubt, you walk slow, confused, not sure. If you're not sure, you're confused, you're lagging, you're limping, you're going to get devoured. You have got to get still with the healer, he will make you well. And he will send you out in confidence and being strong. You will command your troops as a daddy and a mama. And you will lead your family, your business, your career, and whatever else. If you are confidently hearing God, you will confidently live for him. If you're not confidently hearing God, you will limp and drag all the way through life. People that limp and drag never see victory. It's fun to celebrate victory, my friend. I want you to turn to one scripture and we're out of here. One passage of scripture. Go to Psalm. 
Psalm chapter 23, I mean uh, 63, sorry. Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. That sounds pretty confident right there. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary, beheld your power and your glory. Mm, He's seen it before. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the riches of food. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Man, that's a sweet, sweet psalm. Some of y'all need to curl up with that all week. That'd just be your quiet time text right there. That Psalm 63, verse 1 through 5, that's some sweet stuff. Listen to me. There's two things going on right now. Two things. Number one, there are individuals in here that said the reason I don't sit, I don't hear, I don't get still, is because we've never been married. Never. There is no recording of the marriage license in heaven. And you know it. You have tried to serve. You've tried to give. You tried to do all the things the church says to do if you love Jesus because you really love Jesus. Your wife wants you involved, so you try to get involved. Your husband wants you to be more involved, so you try to get involved. You try to do stuff. But deep down inside your gut, you know you've never been married. Never. The more you try, the more miserable you get. The more you try to serve, the more empty you feel. The more you sit in worship, the more you realize, I don't connect. I can't connect. I look around. And there are people that are engaged, man. I'm telling you, they're worshiping it. And I'm not, I can't, I don't feel it. Never, ever been married. And the reason you don't want to get steel is because you're afraid you'll hear that. So you avoid it. The reason I don't find that quiet place is I don't want to hear him say, I don't know you. The word says that I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Oh my gosh, you do not want to get still because you might hear him say, I don't know you. Can I give you some good news today on Valentine's? You can meet a love like you've never met in your life. And it'll change that romantic love life you've got on this dirt ball. It'll change everything. Maybe you're sitting here and you do have a marriage between him and you. That you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you need to renew those vows. Those vows need to be renewed, man. They're not what they used to be. You're not where you used to be. You're not even where you wanted to be. We're six months into the new year, 
And on January 1st, you said, I'm going to spend more time in a quiet place. Six weeks in, you're like, <laughs> Ooh, I hadn't done that since January 3rd. Come back and renew your vows in a love relationship with the king. I'm going to tell you something, guys. If you will make this part of your daily, weekly, whatever, however you can carve it out, if you will find a way to be still and hear God in a quiet place, he will say more in that place than he's ever screamed in 10 years. It's the sweetest thing you'll ever find. So this morning, if you say, Jeff, I, I, I've, I'm religion, I, I'm religious, but I don't have a relationship. I don't. Come this morning. If you need to come and just renew the vows and say, God, I have drifted from you. I know I've drifted from you. My, my romance with you, God, is not where it needs to be. And, it, and I'm, today on Valentine's, I'm renewing my vows to you. Whatever you need to do today, this invitation time is for you. I want to lead us in a word of prayer, and then we're going to stand. Father, this morning, as I started the message, Father, even in the prayer, I said, God, you got us where you want us. Speak to us right there. We're there by purpose. So, Father, this morning, we have heard today what you wanted us to hear. And, God, I pray that we will allow you to have the Holy Spirit speak it over us. God, that we would respond out of obedience to what we've heard. Father, that, div that, that divine romance between you trumps all of the romances, all of the romances. So, Father, I pray this morning, if anybody in this room does not have that romance with the king, God, that they'd meet you for the very first time a day. God, for those who know you, been born again, lives have been changed and they know it. But, God, they've drifted from their vows. They're not where they need to be. They're not where they wanted to be. God, you'd bring them home, bring them back to you today. Renew that commitment to you. First things first. Main thing the main thing. God, you get us in that quiet place. God, this morning, whatever need is in the room, I pray, Father, that if you called us out of obedience to do it, that we'd be quick to say yes. God, we love you. May the Holy Spirit speak now and move during this invitation time in Christ's name.